we're back, people. Beautiful Ooh. people. Ooh. We're here after the act. It's been a long time. Chicka, chicka. We're so lefty. glad to be back. Tell them, how, tell them how happy we are to be back, Randy Simo. I mean, since we've done ATA, things have changed. Now we have over 50 subscribers on Twitch, which is a big deal for us, okay? It's a big deal for us. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's hard to juggle content, but we've been streaming games pretty consistently. We figured let's bring back the OG content, the first right. one, the first thing we've done and we put here. out to the world, which is after the act podcast. Hell yeah. And after the Act Podcast, like, well, what is that? We're, we're new to this channel. What's happening? Who are you people? Well, after the Act Podcast is a film podcast where we talk about films and shows that we watch. Sometimes that we like. Hopefully that we like. Most we of are the your hosts. Like I am Randissimo here with Mr. Ten. Let's go, baby. Let's and go. It's good to be back. As you can probably tell from the title. What way to reboot the ATA franchise than talking about the top 10 movies of 2021? So, of course, guys, we want you guys to be active on the chat as well. So if you have an opinion on any of the movies we're talking about or just want to tell us about one of the movies you really liked from 2021, keep it to your goddamn self. All right. We don't want to hear it. Just nope. kidding. We, we really want to hear or, it. Or, okay. Yeah, I guess the opposite's true, too. We yeah, also want yeah, you to list it. Yeah gotta be hyperbolic yeah. sometimes but let us know in the chat section guys talk to us we love the company we love members of our spooky family engaging with us so just because mm-hmm. this is a podcast it's no different all right just come in join us talk to us we don't bite same much. shit different toilet you know Ex- exactly exactly and of course guys if for whatever reason you miss this episode you will be able to catch us at melonpictures.com for all of our content randy keeps it uh keeps it live keeps it up to date Right, keeps it clean, fresh. Whatever you, whatever the kids say these days, he keeps the website well maintained. It's a well-oiled nice machine. That's nice right. Nice and tight. It'll get so tighter. if you if you missed this episode, check us out malinpictures.com. Of course, if you like our content, follow us on Twitch. Our goal last year was to get to 50 out of 100 subscribers. We met that goal. We have 50 members in our beautiful degenerate little family here. So thank you guys so much. Um, so yeah, if you like our stuff, subscribe. If not, that's okay too. We still love you. Um, that's true. But You'll also be able to find these podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So um, we're pretty much everywhere. You can't escape us, so you might as well join us. That's all I'm going to say. Join us. Join but, us. Uh, join us. And, yeah, I mean, we, we've been out of the game for reviewing stuff for so long. We figure, like, let's as, review as many things as possible. Possibly 20 unique films. I almost know in my heart for a fact that's not true. There's going to be some overlap. But that's the potential. But you're going to get at least 10 films that we're going to talk about. And, you know, we, we try to keep it to an hour. But, man, once you get, to, you know, towards the top five, top three, our love just fucking the valve opens up. And we just can't stop talking about our favorite movies that we watched last year. Um, we also want to share with you guys what we liked. Um, you know, this, it won't be the same top 10 as like a top film critic because, you know, sometimes they don't shit. They shit on the genres we like. So we promote some of the things that we think you guys should watch as well and um you know this is all also like a prelude to bringing back the ata awards which is usually you know right around the time of the oscars we kind of we're trying to compete with the oscars we want to be the next oscars um also i don't like the name oscar that much sorry for the oscars out there but i feel like ata is a little better so 
Um, you're going to get a taste for what movies might be in that. There might be completely different movies after we watch some more. But we're just happy to be back, guys. Damn, we're happy to be back. Drop a fucking air horn here, future Randy, editing this. Will do, Randy. Oh, man. I guess we should just get into this, though, right? Like, 2021 was also a pandemic. So it was, it was also hard to watch movies. Yeah. Um, You know, we had to rely on, you know, HBO releasing, you know, all the Warner movies over there. Video on Demand, Disney Plus, when they dropped their stuff. So it was it was hard when you weren't comfortable going to the movies to actually watch movies but you know we found a way we found a way unlike not unlike drake and josh we found a way and yeah it was an interesting year for movies i'd say when like what we we did is back in 2019 was the last one and i think i had way more maybe indie movies there because they were easier for me to find a little harder a little harder for 2021 um i don't got that sundance ticket over here man I'm trying one day, best. one day. And, you know, speaking of the Oscars, it's not enough to simply be the next Oscars. We want to host the next Oscars. You know, can you imagine mm. us hosting the Oscars? I'm trying to see that. So if you're trying to see that, and I mean you, I'm pointing at you, viewer. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm looking right at you. I know you're watching. I know you're lurking. Okay, but it's time for you to come to the light. Come to the public. Let the world know Malum's the shit. And we and spread the word. Like a like a well timed STD at a Mardi Gras festival, I need you to explode. All right, mm. I don't know where I'm going with this, but mm. it sounded nice in the beginning. Uh, but yeah, we're back. Happy to be back, guys. <laughs> I will say, I will say <laughs> this, this is it what is, you can expect from the Oscars too. This exactly. Is this is it. This is the quippiness we were talking about. Um, but this was a yeah. So it was such a contrast making this because. The last time we, I think we recorded an episode was when we did the April Fool special last year, and we, we might went have on dropped one in the summer too. We went, we dropped by me like one in the summer. I forgot which one it was. Gotcha. And then we dipped. Then we dipped. Yeah, we went on hiatus, like a like a well written manga. But um, we went on in a blaze of glory. We reviewed the entire Leprechaun uh, collection because we know that's what you guys wanted to 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 hear in terms of a review, but. 2019, you know, transitioning to 2020, you had the kickoff of the pandemic, really had no movies, right? Because nothing was being made for obvious reasons. So we ended up reviewing a lot of older stuff, a lot of um, a lot of series reviews. Um, But then this year was so much more, I guess, polar opposite to that, right? We had a lot of movies coming out. You could watch things in streaming. Movie theaters started opening up again. But one thing I found when making this list, this is me personally. You can tell me if you agree, Randy Simo, but... It was more quantity than quality. This was actually a very hard list for me to make because despite so many movies being available, I don't know if I just felt like a total snob or what, or maybe I need to just watch different films. I was very underwhelmed with a lot of these movies. So making this top 10 list is a little more special for me because these are movies that I actually enjoyed. Um, so, so you know, a little disclaimer there. I'm not, I'm not throwing hate at any of the other movies that came out this year, but they just didn't wow me. Um, and I felt like we just had a lot of very average to subpar films that came out this year. What about you, man? I feel like I watched less movies than I usually do. Um, I didn't start watching movies in the theaters again until late summer or something. I think it was Venom was the first in theaters movie I saw because it was still like pandemic shit going on. And, uh, you know, vaccine seems like a, like a long time ago, but that was last year. Um, so I was like fully vaxxed like 
first week of May and wasn't until like the end of summer where I'm like, okay, let me go into like a theater for two hours. I'm kind of comfortable with that. So I feel like I didn't have like, I don't know, we had access to some movies, but it was hard to watch some of them because you had to go into the theaters. We had to buy them on VO demand if they got out on VO demand in time. Um, like I wanted to watch uh, Drive My Car, which was a movie I didn't get to watch this year, but it's still in the theaters. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the theaters right now. You know, I'm chilling. I'm chilling for a little bit, for like at least a month or so after the holidays. So I, I feel like 2019, I watched way more movies than this year. So I, I have an asterisk on if I feel like this group of movies were better than the previous ones. Like I feel like 2019s were like bangers after bangers. Um, and I couldn't find the same level of bangers this year. But I think it's just the quantity of movies I consume. Like there's, I've seen top 10 lists out there. I'm like, wow, I haven't seen 80% of these movies yet. Okay. Fair enough. So, and things might change by the time we get to like ATA Wars, we like go back and watch the rest of the stuff we haven't seen. Might add some stuff on there. Um, I'd say I had better time with shows overall, though. I think shows like they're putting in work in 2021. Absolutely. I agree. That's a whole episode on of itself, but. This was a far better year for TV shows, in my opinion. Um, And just some ground rules, people. When we do top tens, we very explicitly state if we're going to do movies or TV shows. So there will be no TV shows in this episode. Um, That would be a much harder list, I think, for other reasons to make um, because there were so many good things that came out. But, yeah, just top ten films 2021. Um, Is there anything else, Randy Simo, before we jump right in? We're just fucking back, baby. We're just back. You know, we're here. We're in the saddle. About to ride it out with you guys in 2022 because that's where we are right now. Um, We're going to work on the timing of these podcasts. We don't know the schedule yet. We're just trying to fit it in where we can, but we want to be consistent with our shit. So we're going to try to let you guys know when to expect us. But you can't expect us right fucking now because I'm going to kick it off with my number 10 movie of 2021. Are you ready for this, man? Are you ready? Number 10. Oh, shit. So... I had a hard time picking my number 10 movie. It it kept switching. There were a lot of like like honorable mentions that weren't honorable mentions but now are because of this movie. And I really I went through so many iterations of this list. But this movie actually never left my top 10. It was always either 9 or 10 cuz I feel like I just need to talk about it. It was an unexpected movie to drop in um I want to say like mid late summer. But my number 10 movie of 2021 is Pig. Pig, starring Nicolas Cage, directed by and written by Michael Cernowski. Are you sure you didn't uh, mean to say Willy's Wonderland? Because that was... I am. That was another Nick I Cage am. movie. Okay, I'm just checking. It, it was it was a year of the Cage, for sure. He, I think he had another one dropping. I mean, he's like playing himself. He has a lot going on. But I, I really liked Pig. Um, it was funny. Me and my friends had like a Nicolas Cage party to watch this movie when it came out. So we had like, uh, like so we all came through with like pig based like cupcakes and eateries and a bunch of like Nicolas Cage cutouts of his most famous movies. We had like a compilation playing on the TV in the background as we were pre gaming. It was a good time because we expected some wacky, over the top performance like we reviewed in last year's Willy Wonderland because that's his shtick he goes over the top he goes big and weird and abstract at times um pig is <clears throat> it's still nicholas cage branded movie but it is not big it's not 
weird and highly animated. It's not Nicolas Cage going full Looney Tunes. It's a very nuanced performance. It's two hours of subtlety. It's We've reviewed John Wick on this show before. It is the antithesis of John Wick. It is... This guy has had this, and we're going to try to avoid spoilers, but I will say it's hard to, plot summaries will be discussed a little bit in this top 10, but we're going to try to avoid spoilers. But for this movie, it is the antithesis of John Wick. It is John Wick, something bad happens, he wants to kill everybody because he has that skill set. And in this movie, Nicolas Cage takes a different approach because he has the intimidation to know that he has that skill set, but... It's interesting when someone chooses not violence. He woke up and, not, and didn't choose violence despite bad things that happened to him in this movie. He chooses a different path than someone like a gun wielding Keanu Reeves and John Wick or the you know Raid Redemption films. This could have been that easily, and they chose to walk a different, more pacifist path that was refreshing i've never really seen a take on a, a kind of revenge movie of what if you chose non-violence in a revenge movie what would it look like it would look like nicholas cage given one of his best subtle performances in his history of his career and that's a straight-up good performance i think he's nominated for best actor and it's, i can see why he he restrained himself in a very measured way so shout out to pig and all those reasons are why it's my number 10 film of 2021 can I just say I'm just I'm so happy that I've never heard anyone celebrate Nicolas Cage the way you guys did. All right. So Nicolas Cage, if for whatever reason you hear this or see this one day, just know that Randissimo and his crew truly celebrate you. Like they they it's go true. they have parties in your honor. And I've never mm-hmm. heard that for Nicolas Cage. So that's amazing. Good for you guys. <laughs> um I will say this, Pig, I did get a chance to watch. And it's interesting you made the the John Wick comparison, right? Cuz there's there's something I'm noticing about Nicolas Cage that they did with Keanu Reeves, right? Because for a while, Keanu Reeves kind of fell off the face of the planet, right? And that that could be due to a variety of reasons. But, you know, actors, they kind of become hot and then they disappear and then they come back with just one single role. And I think that's the trajectory that Nicolas Cage is taking right now because he was known as this highly animated, very high-energy kind of person. He went to, from making National Treasure to Ghost Rider where he you know, was supposed to be this insane type of fiery, demon-esque superhero to this very subtle, quiet man. And it's, this is not even something that's unique to Pig. We also saw this in movies like Willy's Wonderland, which we will release at some point. I know we streamed it about a year close to a year ago um and we're gonna we're gonna get all those old episodes back out but this is working for Nicolas Cage right he was very unpopular and now they're giving him roles where he doesn't really talk and I'm not here to insult Nick Cage I'm not saying like is if he says lines he's gonna ruin a movie or a role I'm not saying that at all but I am saying there's something really great when it comes to keeping Nicolas Cage silent because he gets a chance to really show you his his body language which I think is something that's pretty underrated when it comes to Nick Cage. So these roles have been a perfect for, fit for him, much like Keanu Reeves had a perfect fit for John Wick, right? That stern, cold, like very untalkative type of person. And it kind of adds to that tension, right? Because you're like, oh man, how is he going to react? He can react at any moment and he'd be justified as a character. And then they restrain themselves and they're quiet and they're calm and calculating. 
And to me, that adds something to a movie. So I, I totally see what what people really enjoyed about the movie Pig. So totally get it, man. Good pick. Good pick. For sure, for sure. Hit me with yours, good fellow. So number ten for me, um, and just kind of a just kind of a preface to 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 my list here. I tend to like movies for a variety of different reasons. I enjoy very artful movies. I enjoy very um, in-your-face graphic type of movies. I really think it depends on the genre, which is one of the things I really like about our reviews here at ATA. Not to smell our own farts or anything, but we do sometimes. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes you have to. Um, but these were movies I thoroughly enjoyed, and for very unique reasons um, that pertain to the specific genres that I'm about to mention. So my number 10 movie pun intended, was nobody. Because this, to me, was one of the most slept-on movies of 2021, right? You mentioned Keanu Reeves. You mentioned John Wick. And we love those movies for a variety of reasons. We know you love this uh, John Wick series for a variety of reasons. That was one of the first reviews we did, and it's our most one of our most popular episodes. And it's because there's something to be said about these stories, about these unassuming characters who live a very mundane life right they they are men of mystery but they don't show it because they they choose to live very simple lives and one day through some plot device they decide to unravel and go back to the people that they used to be and they take you on this epic journey and typically these journeys are worth watching because of the world that's built around them and nobody does that in space i mean bob odenkirk I knew him from Breaking Bad, from Mr. Show, um, from Better Call Saul. I've never seen him in a role like this, and it was such a great changeup. Just like you said, Nicolas Cage was unique because this was such a different role for him. This was such an interesting role for Bob Odenkirk. He plays this man who lives a boring life, right? For for all accounts, he's just this boring 8-to-5 guy who goes to work, comes home, talks to his wife and kids, and that's it, right? But as things develop in the plot, you begin to see, like, just like John Wick, this man has a past. And when he decides to start showing you that past and start showing you snippets of that character from that past, it takes you on this amazing adrenaline rush of, of a journey. And I'm not going to spoil anything. Again, we try to keep it spoiler-free here. But if you love John Wick, go watch Nobody. It is probably Bob Odenkirk's coolest performance that I that I that I can think of off the top of my head. And I love Bob Odenkirk, but this was such a different role for him and I really think it worked. Um I love the universe. Um this is not much of a spoiler, but the Rizza is in it. Um so it has like these cool yes. <laughs> random cameos as well that that just add to the universe of the movie. Uh and it's a lot of fun. Um in terms of an action film, you could do so much worse. I think in terms of of action, it it delivers over and over again. So if you like action films, you like Bob Odenkirk, and you like that type of John John Wick. I said John Wick, the French version of John Wick. <laughs> but if you love John Wick, check out Nobody. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, very fair. I think I come out like end of Q1, start of Q2 in 2021, and yeah, it was just a banger for sure. It's just a fun, like again, we love those highly choreographed movies, um, and nobody hits on that, so. Yeah, if you like John Wick, Raid Redemption, um, you're going to like Bob Odenkirk kicking fucking ass on a bus. Just saying. You're going to love it. <laughs> Great choice. Great choice. Told you you weren't ready. Oh, uh, Yeah. 
I like it. I like it. I like it. I feel like I like our top tens too because we include these like genre movies because we sincerely like them and other people should too. Damn it. We're so and, cultured, um, so well rounded. Yes, we're so I'm well I got really well rounded in twenty twenty one too. I got I got a lot of rounds to me. <laughs> um, I love it though. I love it. And um another movie I very much enjoyed. Um made no. my number nine in my number nine movie no middle of twenty twenty one is Into the Heights. Into the Heights, a filmed adaptation musical of In the Heights. A story and musical written by Lin-Manuel Miranda um, and his partner. Um, It was directed by John M. Chu, the movie. And it's a musical. It's a musical movie. I don't, if they're not animated, I don't too often watch musicals. They haven't historically been a part of my uh, film appetite but i'm I'm, i have a growing taste for them now um and this one's just delightful it's a very it's literally a cult like the color palette brings the story to life in of itself it was filmed on washington heights it's a lot of latino some afro latino characters all just trying to live their life in washington heights you know it's about it's it's this has been a good year for representation it can always be better but what this film does is it takes this corner of of New York City with all of these Latinx characters and gives them meaning. Every character seems like it matters. They all have these little stories of, I want to go back to the island and open up this bar like you know his family did. Some want to move away from the city because they feel like they've been there for so long. Some have these problems of, yeah, they quote-unquote made it, but then they don't like where they went to and they miss home. And how do you how do you balance that with the pride your city has for you because yeah you made it you made it out um they juggle that so much there's all these characters some that remind me of my own home of my own you know hispanic family latino family and it's it's just really fun to see and again it's lynn manuel so he has he's typical lyrical self every song feels like a banger it's him feels like he's been in the booth for like a month this right every character these bars um they're performed well I like the actors uh, anthony ramos Corey hawkins uh leslie grace was great um there's this just energy to this movie it's colorful it's fun it's lyrical and i felt like i related to a variety of these characters some want to move away from home to make it some realize you know you miss home for reasons that you didn't realize before and yeah, it's surprisingly touching. Um, it's very replayable. If you heard the musical, then you exactly know what I'm talking about. Um, and again, it's just it was a bright movie in like another year of shitty pandemic stuff that's thrown in the, in the heights. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you smile. Maybe, you know, draw a tear or two. Um, and it's good just to see that representation. More of that, more Afro Latino characters is needed for sure. But overall, it's a feel good movie that makes you feel good and has Lin-Manuel in it, too. Um, and a little cameo, which is fun. So, uh, In the Heights, my number nine movie of 2021. And honestly, that movie makes me respect people who sell piraguas on the street just so much piragua, more. Piragua. Lin-Manuel yes. just has the best cameo <laughs> in that entire movie. So, <laughs> it it is, it is a delightful film. I normally don't like musicals all that much. I have a very weird thing with musicals. I think that most of the time I get invested into a plot. And then especially a, like a major plot point happens and then people take a break and sing and dance. 
so to it's it's not always my cup of tea because I feel sometimes it takes you away from the sure. drama and the story. But in that particular film, I agree with you. It works. Like I never really felt that way. The representation was fantastic. Representa mi gente, um, and it was it was fun. Like it was it was just a really beautiful movie. Um, so it was it was really cool to see, like you said, more representation. Um, but yeah, good pick, man. Good pick. For sure. Take it away. So for my number nine pick, I was thinking about it, right? I was I was going to cheat, right? I was going to say I was going to take a series as a whole, right? But I can't do that in good conscience, right? Because it's just not fair, right? I can't do it. So I had to pick one of them. And they're all, they all have their pros and cons, right? But there's one in particular in this series that I really like that came out in 2021, and if you were a kid growing up on Goosebumps, you know exactly what movie I'm about to talk about. But this one is Fear Street. Fear Street was a Netflix release. People often forget about it because it kind of came out at a random time. It wasn't anywhere near Halloween. Um, it was, like I said, straight to, to Netflix and streaming. So people might have slept on it or just forgot about it with other things that came out. But let me tell you, all right, I loved Goosebumps growing up as a kid, right? Looking back at it now, the books, the TV show, to me, it, it doesn't age well because it's it definitely targets a younger demographic and what a younger demographic might find scary. But the Fear Street books as a kid were always just like a, a tier higher in terms of con- like uh, like adult content. I always felt the Fear Street books were just a little more terrifying, a little more adulty in terms of subject matter. And they took the books, the tone of the books, right? Because obviously Fear Street is an anthology series and they had to tie it together with a plot. But they took the essence of those books and they made this really cool horror film out of it, especially the first one. And that's the one I'm going to pick, the very the part one. It came out in three parts. I think they were separated by uh, a week or two. Um, yeah, of it release. was like a week. Yeah. Um, but the first Fear Street, and you, you and I are horror fans, so shout out to all my horror fans out there. They they were so respectful to the genre, right? Not only the subject material, but to the genre. They paid so many homages in that first film to like '90s slasher movies, you know, old cult classics like Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the Thirteenth, Scream. Um, it just felt like taking a nostalgia trip and rewatching a lot of those old horror films, and it was so stylish. It was so cool. Um, the characters were actually pretty likable. Um, I actually cared for a lot of those characters, and that's really rare in a horror film. So the Fear Street series was surprisingly very good, but the first one, I think, is is the one wor- most worth watching. Um, and the way the first one ends, for the most part, it could even be a standalone horror film if you never watched the other two. Um, but definitely watch them in, in series to one another. Um, the payoff is there, I promise you. It's not going to be like one of those older horror films where maybe the ending is a little ambiguous and it always leaves room for a sequel. This one has a definite ending and it's fantastic. Uh, but yeah, Fear Street uh, represent, like I said, the horror genre. That's my number nine in 2021. Very nice. And yeah, one of my gaps of the films 2021 was the Fear Street ones. I kept meaning to go back to them. Um, I heard good things. So it's good to hear there's another series out there honoring what we grew up on, which was horrific things and film content and anthology style, too. Um, and I, I love their 
kind of like release marketing strategy. Like every week you get a new movie out of this one. That's something you don't really see at all in a release strategy for a film series. Um, so that's really cool. How would you uh, how would you rate the overall franchise? The overall the franchise, second and third part. Yeah, I'd say if I took all of them and, and averaged them together, um, I'd give it six and a half out of ten, which I think is okay. pretty good for a horror film. Um, yeah, especially averaging three of them, which you know can be very different movies. That for, for you know, I think that was a benefit instances. for this one though, right? Because normally when you make sequels in horror films, if they're a few years removed from one another, um, and the writing maybe gets a little sloppy. Uh, but because they filmed this all in one shot, it was like one giant mega movie, and then they just kind of spliced it up into three releases. I think that's why it's a little bit stronger. I think that worked to its benefit. Fair, fair. I'm going to check them out, putting them on my queue uh, to prepare for the ATA Awards, of course. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that was Mr. Tins number nine movie of the 2021 20, year. And cool, moving on to number eight. So my number eight film of 2021 is Nobody. Oh, Nobody. my God. Are you serious? <laughs> All right, by the way, Made people, my list. we do not discuss these <laughs> lists beforehand, right? We always try yep. to keep each other on our toes. So that's really cool, actually. But please continue. <laughs> yep, a blind, a blind reveal for us as well. But yeah, Nobody, it was directed by, I want to say, Ilya Nasholler. I butchered the name and I apologized. Uh, written by Derek Kulsted, starring, like you said, Bob Odenkirk. And yeah, underscore everything you said. It is John Wick. Like if you like John Wick, you like nobody. You do. You, you I already know it. You you don't even have to fact check me on that. But you should by watching a movie. It is Odenkirk just has great physical acting chops too, and which again. He's a comedy actor, so that's kind of part of it too. You know, the the body language is part of the art, but I didn't know he could be as physical as he was. Like, there's that bus scene where he's fighting those guys, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. This is some top tier choreography and just badassery from um, Odenkirk and friends. Um, the world they they unveil this lore that keeps getting deeper and deeper, and there's they barely you can tell they barely tap the surface of what the fuck is going on in this world this could easily be probably in the world of john wick that's how like as deep as it goes but in as vague as the rest of the world is it could be another john wick spinoff if it chose to cross those streams um it's just a badass movie it's a, you, if you just want to see some just people getting killed in some very fun ways fictionally fun only fictionally don't try this at home people um it's fun it's fun again it's just a man who just wants to live his life his past comes back to haunt him in certain ways and he has to deal with the ramifications in a way where people die um it's yeah one of the greatest action films i've seen since john wick and those are at the upper echelon for me um we've had movies like you know, there's been a plethora of Marvel movies and Matrix had to come back and all these other action movies. And still nobody is on the upper echelon of all of those in terms of choreography, physicality. And yeah, I watched this movie. It might have been back in uh, March when it came out, dropped like 22 bucks for it. said, give me it. And I was like, I underpaid for this. This was fucking fantastic. It was a great ride. And I can't wait for the sequel. I can't wait for that. I want them to do a sequel at least because it's a brilliant 
choreographed movie. And Bob Onokirk, he's an action star. He just straight up is now. He is also an action star. Um, yep, absolutely had a great time with this movie, and that's why it's my number eight movie of 2021. So, so tell me, man, um, who do you think? And by the way, what do you think that sequel would be called? Nobodies. <laughs> just, it could no or no buddies make it a buddy rom-com you know what i mean Ooh, okay. a buddy cop movie more risen it exactly um two brothers against the mafia <laughs> they're nobodies <laughs> two, two brothers. <laughs> they're no nobody no brothers there's two no brothers there's an asteroid and and zombies and <laughs> shout outs to you um justin roiland rick and morty but um <laughs> who do you think did had the better fight scene in 2021 do you think it was shang chi or do you think it was Bob Odenkirk and nobody? That's similar. a really tough one. Yeah. It's really tough, actually. I was going to give nobody, like, yeah, they were the best one, but I'm like, oh, but Shang-Chi has put in some work, too. Um, they're up there. I want to see Bob Odenkirk versus Shang-Chi. That's what I want. <laughs> That's the next movie in the multiverse. That's it. <laughs> it Kung Fu versus Kung Fu. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. I mean, that's again. I'm surprised that our lists intersected like that, because we we have seen a ton of movies this year, um, and like I said, that one kind of drifted under the radar. Um, it was right at the beginning of 2021, so that that's really cool. Awesome. All right. Oh, yeah. So uh, so what what number are we on here, man? Are we number? You are on your number eight. All right, number eight. So here we go. Now I don't want people to think I'm biased here. It just worked out this way, right? But my next one is another horror film. And I couldn't Hell put yeah. this one any higher, which is why it seems like it's just horror after horror. Um, but it was it was too close for comfort on this one. But my next film is actually Candyman. Candyman in 2021 was surprising for me because I thought the movie would be terrible. Right. I typically will still watch a movie. I don't let predetermined notions or preconceived notions get in the way. But. Candyman is a cult classic, all right? Um, Tony Todd, iconic. Iconic role. It's one of those OG horror films. It started the whole urban legend of don't say Candyman in the mirror three times. Um, I was like, there's no way this modern remake is going to be any good. It's just riding the coattails of the original. But I'll watch it. I'll give it a chance, okay? Because I, I like the actor who plays the main character. I forget his, his name. Um, but Candyman was so good, right? Nia DaCosta, the director, she managed to maintain the tone of that film perfectly. And they even managed to make it, I want to say, this is controversial, I think it's better than the original. Mm. Because the original, the whole message was, you know, gentrification has consequences, it can create monsters because, you know, in society, people, if they're treated badly enough, that negative energy will stay behind and it will create something like the Candyman, right? And the whole allegory of candy, the, the Candyman being an old slave from olden times who fell in love with a woman he wasn't supposed to, and then, you know, the rest you have to watch for yourself. But Nia DaCosta takes that premise, and she polishes it off, right? She takes it, she keeps polishing it, and it becomes this beautiful product, right? The message was a little messy in the original. In this one... It's it's very elegant, it's very clear, and it still manages to be terrifying, right? In a in a in a in a modern era of CGI, right, where people think that it diminishes the quality of the scare, 
right, to see something computer generated. It works in this film. I don't know how they made it work. It just the atmosphere it in the mixed with the CGI, it blends perfectly. Um and it was very frightening. The message was 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 very disturbing, but it hits you in all the right ways a horror film should. Um and even that end credit scene in Candyman was was the perfect combination of sad and horrific. Um, and I think that's exactly what Candyman should be in terms of a movie based on its premise. Um, so Nia Costa, fantastic job. Um, Yaya Abdul, amazing actor. Um, Tony Todd does come back as the Candyman, which is so cool uh, to, to see that iconic actor kind of come back and, and pay homage to the role really that made him like a legend. So again, I don't want to be biased, do back-to-back horror films, but it just nah, couldn't, be couldn't be helped. Couldn't be helped. Candyman is do the rest horror, man. Do the rest horror. Candyman was was worth was worth a watch, and and even more than that. So that is my number eight. Yeah, very fair. And that was like one of those movies where the like theater started to come back in the summer, and that was one of the early ones that were releasing that I, I got to see in theaters. Um, yeah, I think it's a great choice, and I think that's a great choice because that's my number seven choice. What? Of my top 10 bruh, 21 movies. Bruh. <laughs> Promises. We just got a back to back. Back to back. That's a rare one to get like a back to back transition like that. Yeah. It, it makes me happy because I could just, I just get to underscore all the shit you just said. Um, yeah, directed by Nia DaCosta. Jordan Peele was there for some screenplay credits. Fucking you know, love producer. Monkey Paul. Monkey Paul Productions, man. I want to work with them. They could buy us out. They're the only company I'd say they could buy us out. But then I think we'd be owned by Universal. I don't know how that works yet. But they did a great job. I felt I so I watched Candyman back when I was a kid, and I haven't really revisited it since. So then I I went back to the original. I think the day before I saw this one, so it was an interesting. Like I saw the original, then bam, next day I saw the the sequel. Um, yeah, the first one you nailed it. It's a lot of, about that gentrification that. Uh, black and brown people go through in this country um and then this horror character that kind of encapsulates a lot of that struggle um into this iconic horror character um I, you know i was way more of like a jason freddy chucky kid but everybody knew the candy man like kind of legacy it was always like say candy man three five times in a mirror as part of the bit growing up um and it was great to see how they kind of flipped the legacy of Candyman on his head with this movie. Um, there's a lot that could be spoiled with this one, but they they harness the power of Candyman in a very riveting way. Um, this almost felt a little Spike Lee influenced too with how the message is delivered and executed. It's not one to have too much subtlety in what it's trying to say. You know by the end of this movie what this movie's trying to say, and it's trying to say a few different things. Um, but a lot of it is the brutality that happens to black and brown people, even the subtle uh, indignities that we face there. Um, it, it comes to be reckoned with in this movie and they still keep the, like I expected like the Halloween treatment, you know, or uh, maybe the Chucky treatment or something where they acknowledge some things that happened in the original, but they kind of change it up. Um, but Candyman, it had its own sequel, so I guess it did get the Halloween treatment, but I love 
what they did with the sequel directly to the first one. They they acknowledged the characters that were involved in the first one. You know, maybe a couple of them show up. Who knows? We gotta watch the movie. But um, I love it. I love the uh, the audacity of this movie. It is creepy. There's this one scene where you're watching a slaughter through a mirror. You're not seeing it directly on, but you're just seeing parts of people being killed through this pocket mirror that's on the floor. And I'm like, what? Who thought of that direction? Like, yeah, yeah, place the mirror there so we can watch the action that's happening over there. I love those little things. Um, the opening of the movie, it directly reflects the opening of the first movie where it had like this top-down view of the city. This one took like a horizontal, diagonal up view of the city just to kind of give you the lay of the lands. Director, things like that, I love. And the social commentary, huge fan of. I, I'm not I'm not a, a superstitious guy. I don't believe in a lot of religion ideas, but I will say, had to take a piss after the theater, looked in the mirror, got a little scared. Not going to front. Got a little like, what if? Mm, what if? Um, horror is a beautiful genre because it allows this kind of social commentary in magnetic ways. It draws you to the story. So that's why it had to be. Your number eight and my number seven movie of 2021. Beautiful. Beautiful. Again, back to back. Back to back. Uh, so jumping right in, my number seven is another horror film. Again, yeah. I just couldn't put these higher than some of these other movies. But my next film is Halloween. Halloween Kills, to be precise. And this movie did have its faults. Don't get me wrong. I don't think this movie measures up to the greatness of the first one. But I will say this, in terms of a sequel in a horror film, it follows the basic tenets. It is bloodier, it is more violent, and it's grander, right? The first movie tends to take place in maybe a few locations, but this one focuses on not only Michael Myers, but the chaos that Michael Myers' presence brings. And I'm not going to spoil anything, like I said, but Joseph Gordon Green has done a fantastic job making a sequel to a great horror film, okay? I mean, just the atmosphere, the tension, the brutality, it made me actually fear Michael Myers even more than the first movie, which is crazy, right? Because I think the first film is more is, is a stronger movie in general. But this movie made me afraid of him even more, which is crazy. Because if you think about it, you look at modern-day horror films, you, you look at things like The Conjuring or Insidious or... Malignant, if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, and it's all supernatural. It's all sci-fi. It's all paranormal, right? And in, 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 in an age of computer-generated graphics and paranormal horror films, it's kind of hard to be afraid with a guy with a knife, right? It just seems so old school, the, the, the genre, the, the slasher genre. But they find a way to make, them, make him into the literal boogeyman. Like He becomes a behemoth, a juggernaut. He cannot be stopped. You can only get out of his way. Or he'll just go right through you. Um, and the movie does a fantastic job of blending humor with with horror, which is such a tricky thing to do in my opinion. Um, but you have these really brutal, nasty kill scenes, and then all of a sudden you get some comedy scenes where you know two actors are calling each other Big John and Little John, even though they contrast, and one of them's actually small and called Big John. You, you, you get what I'm saying with this. The juxtaposition is crazy. Um, but the, the, the humor's on point, the horror's on point, and they're going to end it off with the third one. I can't wait to watch it. 
Uh, but Halloween Kills is my number seven. There you go. Was it was that a, a hat trick for horror right there? It was a hat trick for horror. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Look, listen, the more horror love, the better. It was um, a horrific yeah, it's gonna year. Be interesting where they. Yeah, it was a horrific year. It really was. <laughs> it's going to be interesting where they take the franchise next. I think it's the trilogy, right? It ends uh, later this year. Yeah, Halloween ends. Released, yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah, Halloween ends. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so hard to tackle a franchise that's been rebooted or sequeled in weird ways throughout its entire existence. Like it hasn't stopped. You know, we we just got past the Rob Zombie era last decade, and we're into a new one. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they wrap it all up because, yeah, they they definitely made a guy with a knife as scary as he probably can be. Just like <laughs> think of the best, you know, maybe quote unquote best laid plans you can have for a guy with a knife. And you might see different endings to how you expected it to go. Um, yeah, bloody as fuck. And I mean, yeah, I'm just I'm excited for Halloween. I feel like. We're going to get a lot of good uh, new films, and I include Halloween ends on that one. So, all right. Solid, solid horror hat trick there uh, for your number seven movie of 2021. Um, And so we're going to get to my number six movie of 2021, which is a little different than Candyman, a little different than Halloween Kills. It is Free Guy. (laughs) That's right. Free Guy. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, when I tell you, is gonna kiss you. I, just so you know, I'm I'm okay with that. I'm completely comfortable with my sexuality to let that happen. It's fine. Uh, I might go make that happen. Who knows? Who knows? But it'd be well earned because Free Guy is a fucking delight. It like talk about in a year of horrific or horrificness. It's it is the solution to feeling bad. It is. It is that magical pill to watch over two hours and just feel good and happy and in love. Even if you're not in love, you'll just feel in love after the movie. The movie is certainly a love letter. It is fun. It is about a non-playable character in a video game. And you just see how he lives his life and how what happens if he breaks through that mold and he becomes a little bit more aware and less of an NPC and more of the main character. And it is surprisingly it's it's hilarious. Ryan Reynolds does his Ryan Reynolds shtick, but the world, you know, it's like Ready Player One, it's it's Truman Show, it's fucking Fortnite, it's Grand Theft Auto, all combined and masterfully directed by uh, Sean Levy as Ryan Reynolds, it has uh Jodie Comer, uh the dude from Stranger Things, and I'm forgetting his name, but he was great in this too. And yeah, Taika, Taika plays this, like, corporate villain. It is this action comedy film that I think everyone needs to see. It needs to be on a rotation of, you know, family movie night, date night. You you just got back from work. or It is a feel-good movie. It This is a, probably the first Ryan Reynolds movie that actually made me cry. There's a moment in the movie where I'm like, this is too fucking lovely. I can't handle the love. I don't know what to do with it. It's been. It feels like a year without love. This movie's reintroduced love into the world. Um, recommend it. It's a good movie. Funny, heartfelt. It's a love letter, and it's a movie you could probably watch over and over again. It's going to be definitely one of those staples of the the rewatches. So, number six movie, Free Guy. Man. Go check it out. 
It's like the Tad the Ted Lasso of movies this year. Honestly. Yes, just, it is a Ted Lasso yeah, of movies. Yeah, you can just watch it and you feel you feel real good real good about it. You could have the worst day. You see Free Guy and you're like, you know what? It's not all that bad, actually. So okay, okay. And then they have that Mariah Carey banger. Yeah. Fantasy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this is why this song was great too. It also makes me feel good. It's, <sighs> it's chicken soup yeah, for the soul, except it's Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. That's the best compliment anyone can have, really. Exactly. All right, good change up. I like that. <laughs> I like that. All right, so I guess I guess I should go next. Um, so this is my number seven or number six? This is my number six. Number six. So for my number six, I kind of I like to get weird sometimes. And mm. some of these movies, being in the horror genre, they can get weird, but you and I both have an affinity for A twenty four films. Now, sometimes A twenty four can be very out there. And sometimes A24 can be very out there, but in a way that I really like. Um, and in this particular case, it was really out there, and I really liked it. Um, David Lowry's The Green Knight um, was actually one of the last films I saw. I actually saw it this weekend in preparation for this episode. It's a movie I saw tra- trailers for. You know, it seemed really, really grandiose, right? It was a, it's a King Arthur tale. Um, but it's not about King Arthur, which I really liked. It's actually about his uh, his nephew. Um, so, <laughs> so it's already kind of like a a story of a of a side character, right? Much in the vein of Free Guy, right? He's not the main character. This is a quest of someone who isn't meant to be anything other than a background character. But this, you know, Dev Patel just does an incredible job of of being the nephew of King Arthur, and accepting this call from from a green knight you know this i won't spoil it but it's essentially a, a knight from nature um and in this knight issues a challenge to De- dave patel's dev patel's character it says you know hey whoever can beat me in a sword battle can take my magical axe um and you'll be blessed with many things and then you have to return it in a year um and i return the blow you gave to me it's a very simple premise um but there's just so many layers to it, which I think adds to the beauty of the movie. Um, it's not only about the hero's journey, the traditional hero's journey. It does a really good job of flipping the hero's journey on its head, right? Kind of showing the the meaningless portion of the hero's journey, right? Sometimes the hero's journey is irrelevant, right? Sometimes the hero's journey doesn't matter. Um, and I think in a way it kind of spoofs that, um, but not in a comedic sense, in a more of a like a tragic irony kind of sense and the movie is you know cinematically beautiful there's beautiful shots beautiful scenery beautiful graphics um acting is fantastic and there's just this impending sense of fear and dread throughout the whole film that i really liked um so it was very very much in the same vein of like hereditary and midsummer for me which are also a24 films um but beautiful film um i wouldn't say it's if you really like high octane movies like nobody, like you really like action films, you like a lot of fighting, you like a lot of um, action, it's not your film. But if you want to be taken on a journey, right, with this character and feel what they feel for about an hour and 40 minutes, then you're going to you're gonna love it. You're going to absolutely love The Green Knight. So I think it's worth one watch. 824, love, love them as a company, just like Monkey Paw. Um, that's my number seven or number six. Yeah, that's fair. I was uh, 
Yeah, there was definitely a version of my list where that was probably exactly where you had it. Um, it is. I feel like I feel differently about the movie every other minute that I've existed since watching it. It is. It is a grandiose movie. It's it's a sprawling Camelot tale that goes way beyond Camelot. It's has some of the most beautiful cinematography I've seen lately with context. I still don't understand what was happening. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of this. It's a surreal movie. It is a completely surreal movie about, you know, what it means to, you know, be a legend, what it means to have a legacy, what it means to be a hero, to be a member of King Arthur's crew. And uh, what would you do to for your own legacy? Um, it is. It is a definitely it's it's a subtly epic adventure, right? Because like you said, it's not a sprawling action flick. Um, it is a slow pace, a slow walk, a slow trot to explore what's going on with this character and his maturity as it comes uh, to um, impact a lot of interesting uh, interactions that he has. Um yeah, I think it's worth a watch for sure. It's A24 doing some A24 shit. Absolutely. Pretty much, yeah. And I, but and it's, I've never seen a tale of King Arthur like that before. Right, and I, and I, one of the things I also really liked was it kind of shed light on a story that really most people forget, and they, they use that to its advantage, right? Because it's the story about Gawain, or Gawain, or Gawain, I should say, um, who's the nephew. Gawain, yep. And, you know, not many tales are told about Gawain at all, right? And as a matter of fact, I think this is the only one, and... They've managed to take the, the the story in real life of the Green Knight because it is a real tale, and they managed to just subtly change little details that I think actually work to its benefit, especially the ending. Um, and I, again, I won't spoil anything, but it has a really interesting way of defining courage, right? Because typically we see courage in these epic quests, like people who are willing to face their adversaries head on. They're always they're always so fearless. They're always so courageous. But this movie takes a completely human approach to what courage actually is. Um, and it's very subtle. So I, I do I do like the Green Knight. There you go. Number six. So you know that's the first half right there. First half done. Moving on to our number five movie. Top five. Top five. Twenty twenty one. Top five. And my number five movie of twenty twenty one is Coda. Mm-hmm. Coda. A coming of age comedy drama came out maybe second half of twenty twenty one or so. Um, and Coda is about the what the title stands for, a child of death adults. And it's just a very lovely coming-of-age film set in this context that's unique. Um, in this movie, the, the main character, played by uh, Amelia Jones, who was fantastic in this movie, she's the only child of a deaf family, of uh, the mother, father, and her brother, all of the deaf community and she was born hearing so it took this unique approach of what her experience is as you know being the only uh, hearing person in the family yet having to be the bridge a lot of the times for the hearing community that they live in with uh, the deaf family that she has um, the struggles the inherent discrimination uh, that the deaf community uh, faces um, while this family is also like they're they're a fisherman family. They they work on the docks. They they work getting fish, and so it's it's like a niche of a niche that is so interesting to explore. While this kid, she's you know about to graduate high school, she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with life and what can she do with life because she, 
it's she's been so deeply integrated into how her family operates in the city to get by that even she's scared of what would happen if she were to maybe leave. Um, how would the dynamic of the family and the town work if she's not there to be the bridge? Does she need to be there to be the bridge? Um, you know, it, it has these, you know, book smart s direction and performances. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit more on the dramatic side. It's still a fun, a fun film um, to see this kid try to navigate just romance and family. It's, it's, an, it's a tale for the coda community but it's one that can be reached by any community we've all grown up and figured like what do we do if do we like pursue our dreams if our dreams take us away from people who feel like they need us by them you know should you move away should you explore this thing if your family's not into the thing um it's a universal film of a niche community it is touching it's heartwarming it's funny um, you know, you shed a couple of tears and just great performances all around. Um, you know, we talk about representation, you know, starting to get a little bit better. This is a well-represented movie, I felt, of the deaf community as as much as I know about it, at least. I love that the actors um, who were uh, of deaf community should be nominated for a plethora of different Oscars. They, there are some moments there where you know, you're, you're seeing it from their perspective and it, it just kind of shook me. It, they portrayed themselves in this just deeply human way where, um, yeah, it's hard not to relate. It's hard not to relate to the pains of growing up and figuring out individual needs versus family needs and how that might conflict and how it might come together beautifully. So highly recommend Coda. Um, it's a great movie and it's my number five movie of 2021. That's awesome. I actually haven't seen Coda yet. Um, and one of the things I'd be really curious about watching it is typically the way filmmaking works uh, for, for those of you who are, you know, know a little bit about filmmaking or a lot. Um, they film in what's called the rule of thirds, right? So you want to you want to get the main focus of a shot in a third of the screen or in a third of the shot. And then the other two thirds is either scenery or something you want to emphasize. But traditional filmmaking like that is actually really difficult when it comes to representing the deaf community because it doesn't show the sign language, the, the ASL, right? Because it, it blocks off some of the, the hand movement. Um, so I'd be really curious going into this movie to see if not only they have good representation, but if they film it in such a way that you can actually see the signing clearly. Um, so that's one of the things I'm going to look out for. Um, but that's really great. Um, I really love that there is a a movie that's that's tackling a subject like that because it is prevalent and you and I went to a school where um, the NTID the deaf community was was huge yeah it's 10% of the population right yeah. um, so that's that's awesome I'm really glad to hear that I'll definitely check that one out for sure yeah so my number five um, is actually Free Guy uh, Free Guy what, nice. what more needs to be said honestly <laughs> it's a delightful film like I said it's the Ted Lasso of movies I know that seemed kind of like an aside, like I kind of just threw it out there, but no, no, don't get me wrong. This movie is great, okay? In, in, a, in a year where things were rough, right, uh, for, for so many reasons, for so many people, um, this is a universally feel-good type of movie, and you wouldn't think so uh, because this premise has been tackled before, right? Someone who lives in a video game, they have to get out. Um, and, you know, it's it's not always executed well, but this movie is so self-aware. It doesn't take itself seriously. 
Ryan Reynolds just takes you on this beautiful journey of love, of adventure, of of tackling very human issues despite him not being a human being, which is, I think, just perfect for, for what this film was trying to accomplish. So Free Guy, number five. I won't say anything more. You need to go watch it, okay? You need to go Facts. get some popcorn, right? Get a comfy blanket, comfy pillow, sit down, or lay down, whatever you want to do, recline yourself, watch Ryan Reynolds um, on one of his best performances. Hell yeah. Uh, man, look at that! Look at that, man! I had number six. It was my number five until I saw Coda. That's that's the only thing to upseat it right there. Um, but yeah, it's got it. I'm going. I might watch that right after this. Light up a bowl, put on some free guy. Just have good. a bad day. Just, just put free, free guy in. Again. Yeah, you just have a day. Just put it on. This is good. It's just good. Um, it should be used like a vitamin daily. That's that the viewing of free guy. Um, and a solid number five choice for your 2021 films. It was interesting. And, um, it was interesting because it, it was, it's yeah. a comedy movie that looks like a family film, and it, and it can be a family film, but it beat out movies like The Green Knight, horror, like all these intense horror films and action I know, films. I, I had the same feeling too, right? You feel like, oh, it, like I might get in trouble for this, yeah. like some kind of weird guilt of like, how's Free Guy up here? So how's how's it higher than like fucking? But fucking pig and candy man and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it is. It, it just, just is. is. Yeah. It's a delightful surprise. 2021. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another movie that it's, it's funny, but probably on the other side of the spectrum in my number four, my number four film for 2021. Shang-Chi. Wow. Shang-Chi. I thought it'd be higher. To um, be honest. It was higher. It was higher. This is like the fifth iteration where it, it lost like a spot. Um, Shang-Chi is the best anime movie that's ever been made. <laughs> um, and it, it is a Marvel superhero movie. Came out late summer, early fall of this past year. And it is it is fucking fantastic. It go like there's some definitely dark themes to this. You know, there's just a lot of deaths and uh familial drama that's very problematic but it is a funny movie it is beautiful the choreography you know we, we've already made some allusions to this being compared to nobody but i think i texted you right like during the credits like dude this is like some crate like this is some fucking choreography like fucking you know we have like daredevil hallway scene level choreography on on scenes like the bus scene again another bus scene is in this movie too i just realized that <laughs> it's good bus choreography all around um and what's interesting is i feel like sometimes marvel has the people saw like say the origin problem where the origin movies just feel very done you know a lot of comparisons of like the doctor strange felt really similar to iron man or you know captain marvel was fine but you know not a- enough because we're dealing with all of the origin material this is I think this is their best origin movie. I think for me, it might, if I had to like dig deep, it might outbeat Iron Man for me. Wow. The, the, the lore that they throw into this movie is incredible. It's, you know, it's house of daggers. It's all these like floaty martial arts movies with these grounded raid redemption era of choreography, all mixed together with this nice dynamic cast. You know, you have Aquafina as one of the main characters. Uh, you have, uh, a brand new director to this kind of to the Marvel films and Destin Daniel uh, Cretton just putting in work. Um, Simu Liu is the main title character. He's dynamic. He's funny. And 
again, in a year where you want to see more representation, always, this movie is like entire, almost entirely of Asian culture and folklore and just fantastical different ideas um, from the Eastern Hemisphere that we don't see a lot of. Um, besides in things like I say the best anime movie ever because that's where I get a lot of my non-Western uh, media is from anime. Um, and that's what it felt like. There were like scenes where you're like, all right, that's Dragon Ball Z, that's Naruto. That's it, this is this is a fantastical movie. It's has epic endings. It has tr- you know Star Wars level stuff of tra- of tragedy and in, in the family. It 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 deserves to be one of the new leads for Marvel going forward. Of Shang Chi folk, it was Iron Man focus. Makes sense. Great character. Great movie. I think Shang-Chi could definitely roll with it and actually carry MCU on his back because this movie is well-written, it's well-shot, well-directed, it's hilarious, it's breathtaking, and it's my number four movie of 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a world we live in, first of all, that we can say with a straight face that top five movies of the entire year for us were Free Guy and a superhero movie. <laughs> I mean, how cool is that? Uh it just goes to show you that sure. we've we've really come a long way not only as not only cinematically but as a culture. We've learned to embrace things that aren't traditionally western, right? Normally back in the day maybe you would see one or two experimental films, but you would have a pretty similar formula for movies that would make it to the Oscar or that were giant successes, right? They'd be dramas, period pieces maybe. But now you're getting directors who are able to Embrace other cultures and then bring those cultures onto the big screen, um, and and blend them into this perf into these perfect products like uh, like Shang Chi. Um, so very cool that we can say that's in our top five. Love that movie. I mean, I'm surprised. Like I said, it's not higher, but if the movies that beat that, you mean if you have a good reason, uh, I I believe it. It was it was a good fight. It. it was a good yeah. fight. So for me, um, my number four was. A different superhero movie and again this is a superhero movie that Mm. in a way breaks a lot of rules because it came out earlier but then it was re-released in 2021 um but the snyder cut of justice league right i'm going opposite end of the spectrum i'm not going marvel Mm -hmm. i'm going dc but the snyder cut was such a surprise for me when i first heard it was going to be three hours long i'm like ugh, over bloated the first justice league was was terrible there's nothing that they can include that's going to make me care about this movie but I'll watch it anyways and you know what I desperately wanted DC to succeed because DC's animated movies are so good they're so good yeah um they rival the MCU yeah and and then when you get their live action adaptations outside of Wonder Woman they're just very subpar to terrible um so I was desperately hoping this movie would would be really good and surprisingly Right, I had to eat crow. It was really well done. The Snyder Cut, the fans got it right. Right, they were complaining for years. Released the Snyder Cut, release, released the Snyder Cut. This movie didn't even feel like three hours. Okay, yeah, there were certain portions that maybe felt, uh, you know, maybe too long, but that's such a small gripe to have in comparison to everything else you got that was positive from this movie. Three hours of nonstop character development. You actually care about the Justice League in this movie. Something that didn't happen in the original cut, uh, which was which was so nice. It was it felt so good for me to care about Cyborg, for me to care about the Flash, right? 
when uh, you know he had when Barry Allen finally has his magical moment at the end. I won't spoil what it is. It's like it, it the build up is worth it. You see it and you're just like, oh my god, now they're a team. They're finally a superhero team, and it felt it felt like finally we had a competitor for Marvel. Right, we had a movie that could be just as big as the Avengers. And and still feel like its own thing, and respectful to the to the material, the source material. Um, the Snyder Cut did that for me. There was so many badass moments in this movie. I, I, I I'm gonna rewatch it at some point because it was just so so many great scenes. One of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is when you see the Amazon warriors take on Steppenwolf in the beginning. The original version doesn't do it justice. This one, you see them like they're. They're not just these fodder characters that get annihilated immediately. They're these badass women who show absolutely no fear. They are tremendous. And it sets the tone for the rest of the movie all the way through. Um, Snyder Cut. So good. Go check it out. You won't be disappointed. Number four. Yeah, very fair. Very fair. And um, it was actually uh, four hours long, but it felt like... It took less runtime than the original because they did a way better job. Didn't even job. feel like four hours. There you go. I thought it was three hours. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Fair choice. Very fair choice. It's again like the DC animated movies are still one of like the they legit rival the MCU. It's not. That's not hyperbole. But this one felt like a, one of the animated movies in terms of quality. Um, the way they handled with you know Cyborg's character who actually care like oh I like Cyborg as a character. I love them in an animated stuff. Now if I don't like them in live action, Flash has some really really cool moments. And yeah, uh, badass women on on Amazonia just kicking ass and actually feeling like oh there's stakes here. Like you don't want this person to die. Clearly they care about that person. Um, long movie, but that's because there's a lot of good stuff in between. Um, glad we got the cut. Um, and. Despite how toxic it felt, the promotion of it all was. It's true. It's kind of tragic. Product itself was kind of tragic. We, yeah. That we, you know, that universe is unfortunately canceled. But um, speaking of cuts, I mean, Ben Affleck is cut in that movie. All right, probably my favorite Batman. I know that's a big area of controversy. There's been great Batmans in the past, but to me, he was the most representative Batman to the comics I've seen so far. I haven't seen the new one, but he's going to be hard to beat as a Batman. And that's really surprising for me to say, because I always thought Ben Affleck was, you know, not the best actor, but he nails Batman. He has some, he has some good bodies of works, but yeah, he was good in this. I hear that's why Jennifer Lopez took him back. You know, she saw the Snyder cut. <laughs> that, so yeah, that was it. <laughs> I need to go. I need to get up in that. <laughs> Can't reveal my sources though, but, uh, Hey, very fair, very solid. Uh, number four, Movie of 2021 for your list. And top three. Top three. These top three killed me. Um, it was definitely, uh, man, there were movies I already talked about that were in my top three. And it just got pushed down after you know, restless nights thinking about it. So let's just get to my number three movie of 2021. A movie we talked about before actually on this podcast. Number three, I Care A Lot. Yeah. I yeah, care solid a lot. movie, and I, I care a lot about I care a lot. Um, you can check out that review on uh, YouTube right now, actually, um, and probably historically on Twitch. Uh, it was released uh, publicly in February of last year. 
I think it was at a TIFF uh, film fest before that. Check it out on Netflix because this is a good movie. It is a dark comedy thriller. Again, it's about this unassuming lead who's into some shit you wouldn't expect. And, you know, we have the Breaking Bads and the Ozarks and the Wires of the Sopranos of the world where it's like, oh, man, you can't believe they're into like drug stuff or something related. This one was such a unique crime. I haven't seen anyone do this crime before. I haven't heard of this before. And this, the general premise is it's a con woman and she cons elderly people out of their assets by becoming their court appointed guardian for them, proving that they can't take care of themselves. So her organization does it, and she just robs them that way. In technically, like, legally sound ways, because no one can figure it out. And it's, for one, that's so fucked up. So this character is a terrible person, but just like the Walter Whites of the world, you can't help but kind of, like, root for them and their specific missions, because she's, uh, 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 what's her name? Rosamund Pike. She's just this enigmatic character. She, like, you can't help but, like, I'm, I'm very attracted as to how she carry her she carries herself. She, you know, she's been through it all. She's been through all the misogyny. She's been through people not believing that she can make something of herself. And she just carries this movie in just this way where I'm like, I hate everything you're doing, but I need to see what you're going to do next. I I need like this could have been a season. This could have been a mini series or a full series. I would have ate it up. It is funny. Her, the villain is, or the antagonist, I should say, is Peter Dinklage, who, again, is great in this movie as, like, this mob boss character. Yes, more Peter Dinklage being a mob boss. He was great in that. He's funny. The The plots that they go through, the one-up each other in these, I'm a worse person than you, and I'm going to prove that I'm a worse person than you, one-upmanship, was so fun to watch. It was so well-written. It was so funny. And I felt like there was a catharsis, like, Almost all the characters pretty much got their just desserts. There were great callback moments where you're like, oh, I assume it was going to go this way. But very fitting that it went this way, too. It is really one of the best like dark comedies I've seen in a while, especially incorporating this like crime thriller plot to it. Um, well cast, well written, love how it ends, and... If you want to know more about thoughts on this, check out our original review of I Care A Lot. You can find it on YouTube. But, yeah, for all those reasons, it made my number three movie of 2021. Solid plug, man. I love how you brought that back to, like, an older episode. That's that's a that's pro. That's pro moves right there. Mm-hmm. Pro strats. But I Care A Lot is a great film. Again, if you want to hear my opinion on that film with Randissimo here, just check out our episode. We go in so much depth with that movie. Um Released in the beginning of the quarter, I believe. Um, so February, February. Yeah, yeah, oh, a year ago, uh, almost a year ago today. Almost, yeah, shit, it is almost February. Yeah. But. So uh, happy <laughs> final day of January, everyone. Uh, but yeah, I care a lot as a solid film. I also really love that it's very relevant. The commentary is very relevant to you know the pandemic and how it affected many people who were elderly um, in nursing homes and and it's actually a pretty vicious cycle. So it, it actually sheds light on a bunch of things that are actually going on in the community right now when it comes to nursing homes, yeah. stuff like that. So very good film, very solid film. Like you said, more Peter Dinklage um, as a villain. Love that because it's just so unexpected. Only the, You don't really even know who the mob boss is until they introduce like introduce some, fucking, he's scary. Yeah, like 10 or 15 I'm minutes scared. into the film. So <laughs> it's it's really a delight, um, and he sells it so well. Um, he's actually pretty terrifying yeah, yeah. as a mob boss. So great choice. 
Um, completely agree. Uh, for me, numero tres, number three, is kind of an anticlimactic pick because Randissimo here has already talked about this film. But I'll add a little, just a little bit more, just a little bit more to make it interesting. Um, go in, go Shang-Chi in. Was, uh, was my top three. And this was actually going to be my number two film, but Shang-Chi is just the coolest movie I've seen in so long. It's not even just 2021. It is just a cool movie. It takes old kung fu elements, modern martial arts films, modern action films, and it weaves it into this beautiful, artistic superhero story. Um, and, it, and it goes beyond representation, I think. I think Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi really is just about trying to run away from your past. It's a simple premise. But the way they do it is so interesting. And they find a way to do something I actually thought was impossible. They found a way to make me care about Iron Man 3. Because I hate Iron Man 3. <laughs> I've said this on record several times. He does. I he does. think Iron Man 3 is the worst Iron Man film. As a matter of fact, I think it's one of the worst MCU films that has come out. Um, I don't think it was very good. I hate it that they whitewashed the film. It's not true to the comics. I could go on and on and on about why I don't like that movie. Um, and I didn't love the second one, and I still think the second one is better than Iron Man 3. They found a way to make Oof. me care oh, shit. about Iron Man 3, and they found a way to take things I disliked about that film and actually spin them in a way where it was fixed, and now I have no beef with those plot points, um, which is which is crazy. Um, so not only did they pick up the slack for an older film, but they also found a way to turn it into this beautiful epic quest about someone who tries to confront their past. And it really talks about family trauma too, right? Um, people who are brought up in homes where perhaps the parent-child relationship isn't really all that great. And how do you overcome those obstacles without becoming the things that you really disliked um, as a child, right? Because we all fear becoming our parents at some point. Um, you know, we may love our parents, but there might be a certain thing that we're just like very scared of becoming, um, even in the best of parents. So it really takes those basic elements and just adds this epicness to it. Like these beautiful mythical creatures, this mythical world, and they still find a way to integrate it into the previous MCU. Um, so Shang-Chi, beautiful choreography. I almost want to say perfect film for, for its genre. Uh, so definitely. Very fair. If you haven't checked it out and you love anime, you love martial arts, you love comic books, you love the hero's journey, you love everything about nobody, you love everything about the Green Knight, free guy, it has all those elements combined into one film, <laughs> um, go watch it. You won't be disappointed. If you've seen it, go watch it again. You still won't be disappointed. Number three, Shang-Chi. I honestly think I'm gonna do like a double a double flick, free guy Shang Chi right out. There it is. And just like that just sounds lo- that just sounds fucking great. Sounds fucking great. Great choice for number three. Uh, yeah, it was living on my my number three for a while. Um, but yeah, it deserves to be on. It should be on everyone's top ten. I know it's. I don't. I haven't seen it on anyone's, but it should be on everyone's. Um, because it's fantastic, as you said, as we said, and um, man. Um, these, these next two films, they they went back and forth a few times. Um, ultimately landed where I think it should have landed for me. And it's weird because they're like the top ten is the movies, the movies we like. We like all of these movies. We're just right. trying to 
rank the best among the best for ourselves. So, you know, number three versus number four versus number seven, they're still all very good. But when you're really trying to fit where they go on the ladder rung, um, this movie was well-deserved to be my second favorite best movie of 2021. This movie came out back in February, actually, and it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, again, movie. another movie we reviewed, uh, again, right when it came out. Um, so you want to hear our full thoughts. Again, check it out on YouTube. Um, Get with that double plug. Malin Pictures, Judas and the Black Messiah review. We go hard in that one. And, again, it's about uh, Fred Hampton and him being the chairman of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and how he was betrayed uh, by a colleague who worked with the Federal Bureau to stop the Black Party Panther movement from helping accelerate rights for black and brown people and poor people in general. It was a beautiful portrayal of obviously reflective events now of people trying to denounce the struggles that black and brown and poor people are going through and saying, yeah, there's actually evidence and facts about federal and local agents run by the U.S. government trying to stop civil rights movement leaders, Fred Hampton being one of them. And again, we go into, we go in this pretty hard during the first review, but I think one of my favorite moments was Fred Hampton reaching out to like this, this white church because they need more support across, across the borders. And, you know, they were hesitant at first, but he was like, listen, like, yeah, we have our own problems as black and brown people, but you're poor and you get treated shitty too. Why would you not be on our side? We're trying to, we're a socialist group trying to help everyone who can't be helped by capitalism. Cause that was the enemy. It was capitalism. And they were like, oh, shit, you're right. And that was one of the groups that joined them up. Um, it was well, well acted by Daniel Kalua and um, Laketh Stainfield, who, again, he's, he's great in every fucking thing he does. The acting was great. The portrayal of what happened to these real-life people was great and how it reflects what we're going through right now, what seems to be a never-ending battle for advancement of civil rights. Um, and it's just a demonstration of, all these different groups can come together to try to form an entity that can help ourselves, even when federal government doesn't want to help us. Um, great film. Um, everyone should watch this. Everyone should watch this. Uh, it, it taught me things about the Black Panther Party that I didn't even know. And it's forever timely. Like you, Sometimes you have these period pieces that feel like it's hard to relate to. Sadly, this is still very relatable but but it was shot, directed, and filmed and written in a fantastic way. Easily, easily could be a number one pick for um, any top ten list. It should be on everyone's top ten list. But it is my number two movie for twenty twenty one. Yeah, and like like Randissimo here said, we've we cover this in in great great depth. Um, so check that out. Um, this is really just a broad overview for each one of these films, but Judas and the Black Messiah, like you say, came out in the beginning of 2021. I actually forgot that it came out in 2021. I always think that movie came out in late 2020, like around February, 2021 was like five years ago. (laughs) It feels like five years (laughs) ago, but again, it's one of those movies where there's just a lot of social commentary that's still relevant. 
right? So whenever a movie like I Care A Lot can manage to do that, um, it hits you harder, right? Because you begin to relate to it. You see the same stuff on the news, and it almost adds to the tragedy of it, too, where you're just like, man, we're still seeing this shit, and we shouldn't, and it's awful. And the characters become far more impactful. Um, so Judas and the Black Messiah is a great pick. Mm-hmm. I just thought it came out in 2020, so it didn't make my top 10. Uh, but if you really like it, check. If you like the the idea of it, check it out. Uh, give it a chance. Lakeith Stanfield, um, brilliant actor, uh, absolutely brilliant. I have I've yet to see something that he's in that I don't like. So um, go check it out. Yeah. Go check it out. It's fire, fire across the boards. Uh, my number two movie. So my number, <clears throat> my number two and my number one fluctuated, right? And I I went back and forth on this one because I was like, man. Am I giving one genre just a little bit more love than the other? I don't want to seem biased. But this is my list. I can do whatever the hell I want. I am the god of this world, okay? And as the god of this world, I decided that my number two is actually going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, this was my number one. Okay, I just saw this movie. Randissimo could not believe that I was able to avoid Spider-Man spoilers for upward of was it three weeks, something like that, that this movie came out? One, one and a half one months. One and a half months. One and a half months. <laughs> I did not go watch this movie until literally three days ago, and I managed to avoid every single spoiler. And let me tell you, it was worth it. It was so worth it. This, first of all, let me just say this. Spider-Man is not my favorite Marvel film, right? And it's not my favorite Marvel character. But the, and the first two films, were they were fine. For me, they're fine films. But they weren't, like, amazing compared to Endgame, compared to, you know, Loki, uh, even though that's a TV series, or the original Iron Man. But this movie hits you in all the vital points in your body, right? It hits you in the nostalgia point. It hits you in the drama point. It hits you in the, oh, my God, that was such a cool scene. That was such a cool animated scene. It has something for everybody, and it's almost like the Avengers of Spider-Man. Like, it it turns into this epic fucking premise, right? You know, sorry to swear for the children out there, but it there's no other way to describe Spider-Man No Way Home. It's, it's an epic fucking journey. Um, Peter Parker, so much respect. Um, and they, 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 they do something that I also thought was going to be impossible. They find a way to make Spider-Man new and interesting. Right after three iterations of Spider-Man, they found a way to make Spider-Man new and interesting, um, and even surpass the original Spider-Mans. Which, let me tell you, is hard to do because nostalgia dictates that the original Spider-Mans by Sam Raimi are amazing, and they are great films. You know, give or take a few things that didn't age well from the time. But this movie made me like Tom Holland as the best Spider-Man, which I didn't think would be possible based on the first two films. So. Spider-Man No Way Home pays tribute to all the previous movies. You know, it stays true to the character in the comics. It makes you care about Peter Parker just as much as you care about Spider-Man, the hero. Um, And what a conclusion. I mean, the movie is amazing, pun intended. Um, So so go see. Don't be like me. All right, don't wait any longer. Go see Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I think I was honestly the last person on Earth to have watched it. (laughs) <laughs> for the first time three so. days ago. So, <laughs> so good. I mean, the journey is so good. I can't say anything other than so good. <laughs> go 
Go watch Spider-Man. What are you doing wasting time on here? Go. <laughs> stop this podcast. Exactly. This Shut it down. Would say stop Shut it down, this. Pookie. Shut this motherfucker down. <laughs> Let them go watch Spider-Man. You will. There's no way you can be disappointed unless you just hate superhero movies. Then I understand. But then I don't know why you're watching Spider-Man to begin with. But uh, that's my number two. <laughs> yeah. Um, this. I mean, it was a great choice for number two. I yeah, it it just like again, there's not a lot of top ten lists out there by notable film critics has Spider Man No Way Home on the list. This is a great movie. It's just a straight up great movie, and it it does the impossible, and you know it's fantastical, like you said. It's it's it reinvents the idea of Spider Man for this character that has had two movies in the MCU so far, but you know has popped up in I don't know five six total films. Um, in the MCU, and they they do some fantastic things. You know, it was directed by John Watts again, uh, written by Chris McKenna and Eric Sommers, and the things they do with this movie is why it was my number one movie of 2021. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home, I was, uh, you know, at, at one point it was Shang-Chi, and then I'm like, wait, no, not at all, compared to Black uh, Jewish and Black Messiah, and I care a lot, but I just kept thinking about how Spider-Man No Way Home made me feel. And it was like a combination of, uh, you know, how Free Guy made us feel, how Shang-Chi made you feel, how even nobody, like, there was cool choreography, the story went in these inventive ways, and it was straight up Avengers Endgame for Spider-Man, that's how I felt, it was the conclusion of these plot threads that you didn't think they were going to touch, at least in this movie, and they combined it all together to make it feel like the trilogy of Spider-Man was actually the entire origin story for Tom Highland's Spider-Man. Where they take the character felt like the origin story. It felt like, okay, now this is Spider-Man. Now he's in this place um, that he's, you know, tragedy is, it might as well be a character itself for Sp- Spider-Man comics and movies and the TV shows. And they they play with the trauma of Spider-Man. They play with the trauma of those who know Spider-Man in these deeply touching, sincere ways where they, and I'm trying to walk around spoilers, but they care about the characters. You can tell they they care about every single character that's in Spider-Man. And it's beautifully written. The tragedy is potent. The, where they take the character from the beginning to the end of the movie the surprises along the way. This is like one of those movies where sometimes, you know, you're watching like a horror movie or something. You don't want to hear the audience participate. You want them to shut the fuck up so you can watch this movie and only iterate sounds when appropriate. Oh, gasp. Oh, that was funny. This was one of those, like throughout the movie, they're like, Oh shit, that shit just happened. Woo. Applaud break crying. Just like gasp. It, It felt fun to have this communal experience watching Spider-Man and you get why, because we love these movies. We love Marvel movies. And, you know, like, we'll, we'll have to put out a list for, like, top five, top ten MCU films at this point. But there's, it's hard, like, I don't even know how I can not rank this movie as the upper echelon of MCU films. It was fantastic. It's one of their best movies. One of the best movies I've just seen, period. And even if, if, if you just like good movies and a good time check out Spider-Man No Way Home because it is my number one film of 2021. How do you do it though? Like how do you make Spider-Man so emotional? I was cry I was crying like a baby 
at the end of that movie. Oh, I cried so many times. I mean, we, we we could have a we could have a deep dive for No Way Home in another episode, but it's like shit. Like I was like, damn it, Alex, watch this movie, man. I need therapy. I need to talk to someone <laughs> about this. And I was just like, Spider Man, is that out already? I don't even know. Um, uh, but no, it's just the way it made me feel. I was it was so unexpected. Uh, it really was. Um, and in a in a world yeah. where we have Avengers Endgame, right? How do you top something like that, especially with a standalone movie about one character? They found a way. They found a way. Spider Man No Way Home. John Watts fucking. Spider Man No Way Home is top three MCU. Top three. That's fair. Yeah. It has to be. It's top three. It has to be. So <laughs> at us, right? You can at us any day of the week, right? Like I said, malinpictures.com. Mm-hmm. Send us a message. You can send us an email, malinpictures um, at gmail.com. You can send angry carrier pigeons our way, but I believe top three MCU, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, so solid pick. Solid no doubt. pick for your number one. It was num- my number one for a long time. Um, but my current number one was became my number one because to me it was the movie I least expected to like. And it it hit me in such a major way that after I watched it, I actually took a second to think. I said, man, what did this movie make me feel? That's beautiful. I can't believe a movie like this would make me feel this way. And my number one is Pig. I did not expect a Nicolas Cage movie to make me feel this way. And in a world, (laughs) in a world, in a world where we have (laughs) a year of movies like Free Guy, (laughs) Spider-Man No Way Home, Shang-Chi, Snyder Cut. I mean, we had Army of the Dead. We had so many high octane movies, The Matrix Resurrections. This movie is so simple in its premise and yet the most effective at what it's trying to do. It does so much with so little that you kind of have to admire it. And the fact that it comes from such an unexpected place, right? There's so many layers to it that I that I just want to get into briefly here. Nicolas Cage, right? You Again, we, we talked about, you see Nicolas Cage in previous films like Con Air and all these big action films. You never expect them to be the strong, silent type. And then from there, the way the trailers portray the movie you expect this to be like a John Wick. You expect this to be like a nobody. And it takes such a more subtle approach. It's such an unexpected approach that not only does it take you by surprise, but the message is so different compared to what you thought you were going to get. And it's, like I said, it's just about a man who loses his truffle pig and he goes to get the truffle pig back. The simplest of premise. You hear it and you think... How can this movie be that good? And it really is. It's so hard to avoid spoilers to tell you why I love this movie. But I think it's enough to say it'll be a pleasant surprise. Nicolas Cage's finest performance. I'm not going to say one of his finest. It is his finest performance. Um, Best Nick Cage movie, in my opinion. Um, It's a very emotional ride. And it talks really about humanity. It talks about our desires to be happy right what does it mean to be happy is it success is it fame is it being a legend is it having a legacy or is it just about something as simple as sharing an experience with something or someone Um, and I think because it's so profound and it's so profound using so little elements 
that it's just too impressive. I could not, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home was amazing, but it had hundreds of millions of dollars in budget, had huge production. Pig didn't have any of that, right? And still Pig managed to make me feel a lot of the things Spider-Man No Way Home made me feel. So that is my number one movie. Again, it's a movie I saw only three, four days ago. Um, And I'm glad I saved it for, for one of the last ones because it is delightful. Go check it out. My number one. Love the pick. Love the pick. Um, obviously made my list too. And yeah, it's just a good one. It's like I, like the context should be said that when me and my friends went to watch like watch this movie as like a movie party, we expected silly, goofy stuff. We wanted to just kind of laugh at the movie with it maybe like Willie's Wonderland, which is exactly that movie. That's not what Pig is. It's not a, you know, pop some champagne and laugh at it. It's It's a quiet movie, like you said. It is surprisingly emotional, and you're right. You're right. It deals with, you know, what makes you happy, what what used to make you happy, and why has that changed? Perhaps it's, yeah, it's a a movie that trots along and kind of drags your feelings along with it in a beautiful way. And great pick, great pick for number. You cried with that cupcake, Um, didn't you? You sobbed on it. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple scenes. There's a couple like. You know, restaurant scenes out there. I'm like, oh my god, he's going in. <laughs> like, oh my, like, don't talk to me next. You're going to break me down in ways that I don't want to be broken. Yeah, down if I yeah. was in that movie, <laughs> it breaks you down and builds you back up. That's a, yeah, it, yeah. That's that's exactly what this movie is. Um, that's a fantastic pick. Um, I you know I feel like now people are talking. Not a lot of people are talking about Pig. I think he did get a Best Actor nomination. Um, so that's nice. They didn't pull like uh, uncut gems on him. And denied him that, <laughs> like the dead old boy. Now Sanders. we're suffering a eternity uh, of bad Sanders. Sandler films as a result. Yeah, but yeah, Nicolas Cage should get the love because Pig was a great movie, and your number one movie of twenty twenty one. And shit, that wraps this episode it up. was the that wraps this it episode up. was a length of a full length movie, a feature film presentation. Oh yeah, that's what this episode was, and that's typically what happens with our top tens. Um, I have to make this joke because that's just who I am as a person. But Pig is a national treasure. You're welcome. Mm. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I enjoy your number one in two movie because it could be called, you know, Spider Pig. <laughs> exactly. You, I remember you told one. me that. You're like, oh, you saved Spider Pig for last? Good choice. I was like, oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Um, Look at that making you top yeah, two. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate I appreciate you giving, uh, giving me the extra bump to go to go watch those films before I made my list. Um, it was worth the wait. But we appreciate you guys, too, for listening in. You could have been watching a movie. You could have seen Pig by now, but instead you chose to hear us talk about our top ten films, and we love you for it, right? You guys are part of our yeah. spooky family here at Malin Pictures. Um, we just, we just want to say... It's beautiful, and we're, you know... Go for it. No, you got mm-hmm. it. You got it. No, it's just... Thanks for, you know, those who know us from back in the day of being ATA guys. Um, thanks for tuning back in. It's been a while. Listen to this on your commute, whatever. Um, we're going to put out more. We're going to put out way more episodes than we did last year for ATA and for Conch and for streaming. Um, it was it was even therapeutic just talking about these movies. I've, I felt like this buildup of like I haven't talked about movies in a while at length. Um and yeah, let us know what your top ten was or what your favorite movie was for twenty twenty one. There's a lot to choose from. 
if one of these movies you like, listen, let's get the full un like spoiler as fuck version of the reviews. Let us know because we'll do that. We'll fucking do that. Um, yeah, these are usually around two hours because we're giving you over ten movie reviews all it's within like speed uh, dating. a couple of hours there. Yeah, for movies. Watch this one and this one and this one. <laughs> this one will make you horny. This one will make you cry. This one will make you both. And yeah, we hope you enjoy the list. We hope you enjoy the movies that we talked about and let us know what you enjoy. Um, and stay tuned because, like I said, we're coming back, baby. We're coming That's back. Right. We're coming back. And if you want to know, well, how how will I know if you have a new episode? How will I know if you know you're streaming? Well, please like and subscribe. The only Twitch. logical conclusion. This will be released. Yeah, yeah. Twitch gets it first. We'll cut it a little bit, send it to YouTube. We'll cut it a little bit more, send it to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you listen to audio. We're there, baby. We're there. Well, but do you have other things you do? Yes, of course we do, user. If you follow us on Twitch, you'll see that we're streaming games at least three times right. a week. You know? We got multiplayer stuff. We got console games. We got fucking 8-bit games. We have a lot of spooky games are part of that, too. It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time to make more content. And if you're with us for the long haul, please like and subscribe wherever you can. Malinpictures.com to see all of our work together. We love you. Thanks for coming back with us on this journey. And stay tuned for more movies, shows to be reviewed at After the Act Podcast. Peace. Peace, everyone. We appreciate the love. Much love. Let's to get you. to 100 by the end of the year. Let's make a bigger family. Let's get we it. Love you. Woo!